All right, man. Welcome to the intro for Crow Triple Seven Radio episode. Uh, where are we? Seventy three. Um, this is the intro. I might have said that twice. Um, Jason and I take apart the Red Cross. Jason and I take apart weather manipulation. Um, there is no argument. You know, back when I was filming chem- chemtrails in San Diego for thousands of hours, my mind was on the drought in California mostly, and we don't really have hurricanes in in San Diego. It was far from my mind, but as I got back into the research to try to show it is possible to create massive storms with weather manipulation, it all came flooding back to me. Um, I reread documents like the Air Force document owning the weather by 2025. Weather manipulation has been going on for well over 100 years, probably a lot longer. At the base of it, it is the most basic alchemical principle of transmuting water into air. Of course, there's more to it, but this has been going on for a long, long time, probably pre what we call the Industrial Revolution. As for the charities, Jason and I were noticing that there was a full frontal press to collect money um, nationally, internationally, and we started looking at these things. They ran a a celebrity, all the A-list celebrities in Hollywood, which is what I open up with, breaking it down, man. They're, they're fleecing people. Places like the Red Cross, it's a wonder they're even allowed to exist with the track record that we can look up of what they've done. But we connect these charities to the Rothschilds, and it's the same old game. If you want to help people who have been devastated, go local. Don't give to these damn charities. Um, That's my point of view. But anyhow, I got a lot of reports from followers and subscribers from both Florida. And uh, as people who follow know, we had some eyewitnesses on the ground in Houston. We're getting a lot of reports that there is a bit of a police state activity where they're blocking off exits They're not allowing people back into their county. They're demanding papers. Some people aren't clear whether you're looking at National Guard or something else. We've got reports of military assets being brought into places, and we have reports of laws possibly being changed so that police can use military assets. All of these things are going to be need. We're going to need to look at them more carefully. We're just getting initial reports right now, but I figured I would mention it as um, more. You know, I've had at least three people um, from Houston talk about this, and a couple from uh, the Tampa area in Florida talk about this. As for Florida, I've had five reports from people who lived there who said the storm wasn't that bad. Um, Most of that was from the northern part of Florida, so we're waiting to hear more. But their impression where they were was that the fear porn on the news channels was out of hand and did not reflect what they saw. Um, I'm almost certain there are people in other parts of Florida who may have different things to report. As we jump in here, I'm going to take apart this ridiculous celebrity push for money um, that came two nights ago uh, called Hand in Hand 2017. Um, I'm going to break that down first thing here. These things are beyond suspicious when you look at them, and when you dig in, you begin to realize, and the same old game, words have meaning. Um, At the very end of that episode, there was a logo for one of the production companies that helped put this together called Den of Thieves. If words have meaning, so do names. Um, I look them up, I talk about them. So the first nine minutes here, we're going to take apart the, uh, the celebrity nonsense where they're fleecing America for money. And my from my point of view, I will add. But anyhow, let's jump in with Jason. Uh, we cover a hell of a lot here. And there is no argument. There is no argument. Weather manipulation has been going on for at least 100 years, actually over 100 years. Um, and there is no argument about these charities. Their track records alone show what they have been up to. But when you begin to dig into who's doing it, the obfuscated who owns what, who's involved, their mission statements, Man, if you want to help people, go direct. These charities are not what they seem, and they're owned by the same old banksters, a lot of them. Um, I can't really speak for the Hollywood push, because it's almost completely hidden who owns that stuff. Um, Anyhow, the website was set up on 9-1. I cover all this. Let's jump in with Jason.
All right, man. Welcome to Crow Triple Seven Radio Podcast. This is episode 73. I have Jason Lingren with me, and we're going to have quite a show here. It's probably going to go long if I had to guess. We're going to take apart weather manipulation, uh, the absurdity of all the stuff that has just happened around the storms, Harvey and Irma. Uh, we're going to open up here. Uh, last night on television, they had a hand-in-hand celebrities raise money thing going on, and I took a look at it, so I recorded it. Tried to get through most of it this morning, and I'll tell you, man. But before we jump in, welcome, Jason. Stormy roads ahead, Crow. Yeah, man. It's just, September is is just become one hell of a month uh, for for our world, particularly us here in the United States. Um, did you have a chance to see any of this hand in hand 2017 nonsense? Yes, I did. I took a look at a couple of the clips, and uh, I kept seeing a, the same theme being repeated on it. Uh, well, the first thing I noticed was the hand-in-hand thing looked awful lot like a Freemasonic handshake, but I'm not sure if it's exactly mimicking one. I, I didn't have a chance to look that up, but folks out there can take a look and see if uh, that's that's the case or not. But I watched a bunch of clips from different people, all these celebrities, and Beyonce, she mentioned that violence and racism, uh, <laughs> you know, just are, are rampant now. That was like the first things out of her mouth. Selena Gomez did the exact same thing, bringing up racism. And then, and then uh, Justin Bieber looked absolutely ridiculous in this outfit that... Right. Uh, I, I don't even know. Strange. He, he acted strange, too. Yeah, he uh, seemed but, almost zombie-ish. Yeah, it, it looked like the last place on planet Earth he wanted to be was there. Um, Bruce Willis does a stare into the camera at one point that almost translates to help me, get me the F out of here. Um, <laughs> not even bothering to fake like he's talking to anyone on the phone. But you brought up a good point. The logo for Hand in Hand 2017 is not hand in hand at all. The whole thing is supposedly based on an image which they show a human chain supposedly going out to rescue someone in a truck. I didn't have time to really dig into it. I guess there is um, some handheld cell phone video of the supposed event, but again, I didn't dig into it. But it's not hand in hand at all. They're doing the whole wrist thing, and I'm with you. Um, We need to look in and see if it's Masonic. But as I've said So endlessly on this show, words have meanings. Um, Stages are put in place to show the audience exactly what they are to see. They are contrivances. They are planned events. What you are not meant to see, you will not see, particularly if it's filmed, because anything that might slip in a live show will be edited out in post. But let's let me just jump in for a second and uh, and talk a little bit about a few of the things I noticed about Hand in Hand. And just for the listening audience, the reason we're bringing this up is because no disaster goes to waste with these people. They're fleecing the public, absolutely fleecing the public, uh, everyone who donates to places like the Red Cross. And we're going to get into these things along with the fact that weather is manufactured. And there's no arguing it either by the way. Um, And of course, global warming is going to play into this. I'll do a Stevie Wonder quote at the end of this little run. But anyhow, here's a strange thing. A couple days ago, I looked up Harvey to see what the listed dates were. And they listed it, uh, I think as late as yesterday on Google, as having been from August 25th to August 29th. Of course, 2-9 encodes 9-11. This morning when I re-looked it up, they've changed the dates. Now they're listing it as having occurred from August 25 to September 2nd. But here's the rub. I saw the handinhand2017.com thing, so I got my butt up, re-logged on, and went to Who Is and I Can to do some lookups on the site creation. The site for this event was created on September 1, so if we took the August 29 is the the original posting. As August 29 is the end date of Harvey. Two, maybe you could call it three days later. They had this website set up. But here's the rub: it was the last. It was created on September one, and then a second later was the last update listed through ICANN and Who Is. So. Th- Two to three days after supposedly the the impact of Harvey is felt, they have this site up and they have over, I think it's over 100, don't don't quote me, it's around 100 celebrities listed on the initial posting of the website, which is never updated again as far as I can tell, but I've only had one run at this. Site ownership is hidden. Um, You cannot tell who owns it, of course, Um, but the whole event is being under the aegis of comedy relief. 
I kid you not, words have meaning. I don't know where the comedy comes from, and I know people are going to comment that there are comedians that supposedly go out to do relief. I think uh, Whoopi Goldberg and maybe uh, Robin Williams were some of the first to do that. I don't remember exactly. Point is, is this event for these supposed hurricane disasters is under the aegises of comedy relief. And I will maintain to the day I drop, words have meaning. So when you go and you look at some of the footage here, it appears as if the celebrities are not talking to anyone on the phone. But here's one example to prove that it's staged. Seacrest is walking down and people, celebrities are supposedly talking on the phone and he starts talking with them and they just stop talking on the phone. But he gets to a basketball guy and the basketball guy just happens to be ending his call as Seacrest comes up to him and they get into this whole back and forth how the owners association for basketball. Uh, are giving all these gazillions of dollars and any basketball player that wants to give up to $20,000 will be matched. Clearly a staged conversation. You can go back and look at this. But at the very end of the show, I'm going to jump out of sequence here for a minute. At the very end of the show, I noticed they flashed a logo at the bottom of the page for about two seconds. Um, as I had recorded it, I went back to discover that the logo they flashed is called, it's a company called Den of Thieves. Words have meaning. So, of course, I jumped in to discover who Den of Thieves are, uh, having located the logo online. And here is their little about page, what they're about. Den of Thieves, the people who were, I guess, helping produce this, states this about their company. We're the leading studio helping marketers develop craft. That's right. I said it. Craft and deliver results driven branded content using the entertainment potential in their brands to achieve business goals. This is an exact one-to-one -one allegory about what went on with all these celebrities. But anyhow, let me just finish up here real quick. Stevie Wonder opens this shindig by telling people that global warming is real, which you can tell by the storms that just happened. And the only people who don't understand this are either blind or unintelligent. Well, even though I know Stevie Wonder was reading from a script – which isn't exactly accurate in his case. Uh, the only blind person there was Stevie Wonder. Global warming is a fraud. And this kind of opening of this event begins to tell the tale of how these storms, uh, weather manipulation, and all these other things are going to go hand in hand with the completely made up global warming idea. And as a side idea, I started to look up some of the water temperatures around the two storms we just had. And a lot of places they're listing that it was two degrees below average. Not only that, they had MSNBC news anchors come on this show last night, along with Matt Lauer, to tell us this is the worst recorded storm on record, which is also a lie. There are accounts back to the 1800s of storms that would rival or match this, both in numbers and severity. All right. I went into the source code on the website page to see if I could discover anything else about it. But one thing that really struck me is stated on the website is that a hundred percent of the money collected will benefit charities. I'm not kidding, man. Not victims, not the people who lost their homes or were put underwater or lost everything they had. The stated path of everything collected by this event, Hand in Hand 2017, is going to benefit charities. And that bears some consideration. They open the show by stating it's happening 18 days after the event, referring to Harvey. And that's a bit weird because that would put it around the 26th, which doesn't coincide with any date that matters if you look in a search engine. Of course, 18 encoding the triple six. Now, as the last side note before I jump in with Jason, I record randomly certain things during the week because the television tells the tale about what's happening in our world. There was a new commercial running a thing about Harvey Windows. Never saw it before. Uh, it was brand new. Man gets into a boat, of course, the maritime idea, goes out to a lighthouse and installs a Harvey window. For those that are mildly aware, they understand this is the whole illuminated Luciferian idea going on, and they're blaring the idea of Harvey in your face again. But anyhow, Jason... Anything you want to add on the tail of that or any impressions from having reviewed any of it before we jump in here? A lot of these people 
like when you see them doing this stuff, they have very dead eyes. I noticed like Beyonce really stood out to me. So whatever's really going on with these celebrities, you know, they may have all the money in the world to have this, this beautiful physical life. It seems that it's coming at a very, very heavy price and, you know, make of that as you will. Spot on, man. They're assets. Um, in the research I did around Hand in Hand 2017, um, this entertainment fraud that benefits 100% benefits charities, um, you would have to do a lot of work to try to discover all the charities where it's actually going. You know, b- b- before I get into well, I'll finish what I was going to say. These people are assets. Um, it's said on the site that uh, none of the celebrities were being paid. They're all volunteering. I would imagine the way that goes down is the phone rings and someone says, get your ass here on this day. And if you think about 100 A-list celebrities being brought together this quickly, normally you're told if you want to get five or six A-list celebrities together, there's scheduling problems out the yinger. But I'll set all this aside. I had a family member when I was in San Diego years ago who went to work for a supposed charity. Um, It was one of these places that collected for like 100 charities They came to discover during the course of collecting for these charities that in California, the state law provided that the place collecting the money uh, could keep 90 some percent. I forget what it was four, maybe five percent was actually going anywhere um, near a charity. And then, of course, the charity takes its cuts before supposedly anyone gets out to people. I would just say Jason and I are getting ready to take apart the Red Cross. Um, We had heard lots of stuff about it. And I don't really make comment until I've had a chance to look. These places are a fraud, man. That's all there is to it. If you want to help people who have been put underwater or lost their homes, you need to get local. You need to get right in um, to the neighborhoods and the counties that are doing things and discover who is actually helping these people. Because these entertainers that go in and hold your mind, it ain't them. The Red Cross has a track record that it it bears. I mean, how could they even still exist um, with some of the things they've been caught doing? Um, the 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 uh, earthquake in Haiti will come up. But anyhow, Jason, anything else you want to add before we jump into this thing proper? No, let's let's move on to weather weapons and let's talk about why these things are going on. Yeah, man, I'll just kick it straight to you. Uh, we're going to probably go long here. Uh, we're going to cover, cover weather weapons, the Red Cross, and FEMA as the basis of most of what we address here. So go ahead, Jason. So the first thing I'd like to read to you folks is a quote from a 1931 book called The Scientific Outlook by Lord Bertrand Russell, discussing manipulating the weather. It may be that God made the world... That is no reason why we should not make it over. So I would say that the viewpoint of these kinds of people is really, really obvious. Yeah, and before we jump in, I'm I'm going to state outright. Um, when I was in San Diego looking at the chemtrails, concerned with the drought, not in a place that has to worry about hurricanes, um, I needed to realign myself with the mindset now that I'm in the east. Weather manipulation has been going on forever probably precedes the Industrial Revolution. In my eyes, weather manipulation is akin to the most simple, basic transmutation used in alchemy, where you turn water into air. As we get into this, you're going to find out that a lot of what people are reporting and discovering is that water vapor put into the air and then manipulated in certain ways is all it takes. It doesn't even appear that it's that hard, um, but I'll throw it back over to you. Keep pushing, Jason. So weather manipulation has been going on for a long time. In regards to what was known as pluviculture or rainmaking, the first notable individual was a man named Charles Mallory Hatfield. In 1902, he had created a secret mixture of 23 chemicals in large galvanized tanks that he claimed would attract rain. The title he gave himself was Moisture Accelerator. He had various measures of possible success, with a huge fiasco occurring over an agreement to fill the Moreno Dam Reservoir near San Diego. He was paid $10,000 for the job, but flooding occurred and caused $3.5 million in damages as a hypothetical result of what he had done. Court battles went on for years, but as it was only a verbal agreement and things couldn't be really scientifically proven at all, it was just decided over the course of several court hearings that it was an act of God. 
as a guy from San Diego, I know the dam, I know the story. Uh, this is back in 1902, and it begins to illustrate the point. Here are people at the turn of the last century involved in uh, manipulating weather. And I would ask, you know, we just came off the tail of a supposed 10-year drought in California, which is claimed to be one of the worst on record. California's Central Valley produces, I don't know how much food for the United States and the world. It's sometimes referred as the breadbasket of the world. How come to stop that drought, nobody simply went up and cloud seeded, which has been going on since the turn of the last century, as you can see by by the report that Jason made um, of this man in 1902. It goes to show the tale. If I had to look back now and estimate what the chemtrailing was mostly about in San Diego that I filmed for thousands of hours, I would estimate that it is drying out the air. I think the chemtrails can be loaded to go either way, but I think that almost entirely uh, our weapons our, our weather is manipulated now, and it comes down to manipulating moisture. Anyhow, back to you, Jason. Next, we're going to do cloud seeding, which started in the 1940s, uh, at least officially as we can find. Project Cirrus was the first attempt to modify a hurricane. This was a group effort by the U.S. Army Signal Corps, the Office of Naval Research, the U.S. Air Force, and the General Electric Company. The hypothesis was that by seeding the area around the eye wall with silver iodide, latent heat would be released, promoting the formation of a new eye wall. Since the new one would be larger than the old one, the winds would be less powerful due to a reduced pressure gradient. Any lowering of the wind speeds, of course, is beneficial since the damage potential increases with the square of the wind speed. Due to the initial efforts made with the project, a major snowstorm was created on December 20, 1946, through cloud seeding. GE dropped out for legal reasons after that. Other hurricanes were messed with that led to damages on land and led to litigations, the biggest of which hit Savannah, Georgia, causing one death and $3.2 million in damages. That project was formally ceased after this. Now, also bear in mind, $3.2 million in 1940s money is a heck of a lot more today. Yeah, and, and we should preface a couple things. I mean, you're up to the 1940s here, so you're still pre-World War II. Um, but one of the first things I started to do to be able to demonstrate that the storms we're seeing now um, have human hands behind them was to look up laws. Um, you will find that the UN has weather manipulation laws, that most of the major countries in the world have weather manipulation laws. Even in the United States, many of the individual states have weather manipulation laws. But I will put this into the pot for people to think about as we go through this. Many of the laws that I read through, and I let, read through a crap load of them, talk about not being able to use weather as a weapon in wartime. And they further talk about beginning storms or bad weather uh, within the confines of a country. So I would ask, if a hurricane is generated and started by manipulation off the coast of Africa uh, in a time that is not wartime, I guess it is perfectly legal by most of the things I read. But anyhow, Jason, you brought us up to just pre-World War II, and you're already beginning to show uh, the big corporations, the Air Force, of course, who famously published not too long after this, a document called Owning the Weather by 2025, which I think you're going to get to. Anyhow, back over to you. In 1949, Dr. Irvin P. Crick, an American meteorologist, inventor, and the founding professor of the Department of Meteorology at the California Institute of Technology from 1933 to 1949, came up with a way of performing ground-based cloud seeding. So they no longer needed to do dangerous maneuvers with airplanes getting near these hurricanes. Now they could do it from the ground. Yeah, you know, I, I've, I've got to state again, all of this seems to be based in the ideas of alchemy, where the basic elements of our existence are broken down to water, air, wind, fire, earth. There's no getting away from these things. Modern science has kind of pushed the idea of alchemy into the arena of maybe like fortune telling. It's been made to look ridiculous when in fact it's not. Alchemy is basically the idea of having a type of science that stays wholly within the confines of nature. So when you look at someone here in 33 coming up with a ground-based seeding, I would ask again, how is it that there was a 10-year drought in California, the breadbasket of this country, and nothing was done to water the crops? And I think we'll get into this as we move along. Go ahead, man. The Brits also got in on this. Between 1949 through 1952, 
the British Royal Air Force was doing cloud seeding experiments with Project Cumulus. Accusations were made that this caused the 1952 flooding of the Denon village of Linmouth, resulting in 34 deaths and other major structural damage. Throughout the 1950s and into the 1960s, various cloud seeding projects took place. In 1958 in Palm Springs, California, jets were used to create artificial clouds to block out the sun, which were chemtrails. The Navy creates and destroys artificial clouds with soot or carbon black dust. For anyone who's ever been out to Palm Springs, I used to, I've been out there so many times I can't even count them. It's basically high desert. Um, and so to be able to manipulate weather in an environment like this really begins to tell you the finite control that they have. Um, it was stated when I was a roadie, we used to go out to Palm Springs to do shows there sometimes. Um, and the local stagehands there, because we were all freelance, I knew a number of them, claimed that when they were young, um, the humidity in Palm Springs was always near zero, and that since they had put the golf courses in all over Palm Springs, now regularly the humidity would register up four, five, six percent, or something like that. I forget the numbers exactly, but you begin you can begin to see what we're talking about here. Anyone who's even seen images of Palm Springs understands that that is one of the driest, hottest damn places you can imagine, and here. Even just putting golf courses in is changing the local environment. So go ahead, Jason. The 1950s into the 1980s, we have projects Skyfire and Skywater, which would attempt to use cloud seeding techniques to help with lightning fires in the west of the United States. Then this is the those horrible fires that happen every year and are actually going on right now. That just devastate over and over and over again, you know? You know, this is the, the fires are a funny thing. Um, the firestorms are real. I've been there in real firestorms, and um, it really does. It changes the weather. The fire becomes the weather of the place, and it's quite a quite a scary thing. Um, fires will start all over the place because, you know, cinders and everything are being sucked up into the atmosphere and dropped many miles from where they started. But before I left San Diego the last time, we began to notice on the news that they were reporting five or six fires going on. We knew for a fact that three of them were controlled burns, um, absolutely knew for a fact that three of them were controlled burns being passed off as firestorms in the national weather. It had gotten so bad that many of the local people where I live suspected that even the real fires were being lit on purpose. Um, so that's kind of a side note, but go ahead, back over to weather, Jason. From 1962 through 1983, we have another project called Storm Fury, which would be trying to weaken tropical storms. So so the dates we have on this are what, 1962 to 83, Project Storm Fury. Here they are working on learning how to weaken a tropical storm. That seems like something that might have come in handy as Harvey was approaching Houston. Um, is there anyone out there that disagrees? So technology from the 50s to the 80s where they were working to weaken a storm, you've got to imagine that we are light years beyond where they were then in both capability, technology, science, all of it has to be light years ahead. And yet here we go again, watching major hurricanes come into a heavily populated area and nothing is done uh, whatsoever as far as we can tell to slow them down. And what we're gonna try to demonstrate here is the actually the opposite is true. These storms are being generated and fed. These are planned events. Anyhow, Jason. Well, at this point, just with what we've gone through so far, the minimal assumption one can make that if a big storm is going to hit land and cause damage and possibly hurt or kill people, it's being allowed to happen. They're not doing anything to stop it. And that's not even right. talking about if anything was generated intentionally or not, just that if a big old storm comes in, they don't do anything to prevent it. And it's obvious that they've been at least attempting to and have had some sort of success since really all the way back into the 40s. Well, I think the argument could be made, even the cloud seeding idea where you were talking about how they were making a new wall. What this basically comes down to is moisture in the air. If you could force a big storm like that to drop a ton of moisture back into the ocean, um, you probably would dilute it. I know there are people out there that would make the argument that it would create the cycle where it's evaporating back up depending on the heat of the surface water. But the point is we're talking about many, many, many decades ago, just past the middle of the last century we're talking about here where they were working on diffusing storms so yeah jason i think that's a that's a correct assumption uh we see nothing done like this at all to try to decrease uh the power of the of these storms so let's get into showing 
if we can, um, to, to the, for the average mind, that these things are being frickin' manipulated and fed and maybe even created from the get-go. What I do a lot of times when I'm reading these things is I, I make a comparison to what else was going on in the world, or, or we're talking about the United States here, so what was going on in the daily lives of, of the United States when they're doing all this crazy stuff, like trying to control the weather? You have people watching on their single little black and white television the Howdy Doody show and driving right. giant cars. You know, like you think about the comparisons in what people were doing versus what's going on behind the scenes that they don't know about. You know, it just shows that there's this massive gap between inside the Matrix and outside of it, if you want to call it that. You know, it's like they, they've got stuff going on that people just wouldn't have even dreamed of in the 1950s. You know, it, it always reminds me of the idea of the circuses of Rome or the games of Rome where, you know, it's claimed that this or that um, leader of Rome claimed give the people bread and games and they'll be content. We can do whatever the hell we want. Well, this is what entertainment is. Um, I've said it before in past episodes. We really don't have culture in the United States of America where I live. What we have is some television shows and movies we watch. That's what we have. We sure as hell don't have culture. You want to find culture, go to a place like India where you're on your you know, 15th generation of some person is in a trade. Um, that, in fact, is culture. What we have in the United States, I don't even know what to call it. It's basically entertainment-induced nonsense. That's what we have. Next, we're going to talk about Project Westford, which ran from 1961 through 1963, and it attempted to create an artificial ionosphere by launching 480 million copper dipole antennas into orbit, the majority of which fell back into the ice by the North Pole, but some are still said to be up there. And I saw a picture of this and just little bitty needles is what they looked like, you know, short needles. Yeah, I don't know how successful they were because I didn't go into great detail about it, but I mean, that's messing with the whole place we live on with this kind of nonsense, you know? Well, look at the dates, man. 61 to 63. This precedes my existence in this lifetime. Um, and they're doing stuff like this. So it really begins to draw a picture of how concerned they have been with manipulating the ionosphere, manipulating weather, figuring out how to weaken a storm, figuring out how to make a rainstorm, all these things. It's been going on since longer than I've been alive, and I've been alive for over half a century. Um, it, it's, it's painting a picture here. Go ahead, Jason. In May of 1963, space weather modification is said to have begun with something called plasma seeding. They were making ion clouds out of barium and strontium, which are normally attributed to what is found in chemtrail particles. So it sounds like the notion of what to use and how to use it has been around for a very long time before the chemtrail phenomenon started in the 90s. So there it is, man. Before I'm even existing in this lifetime, they are talking about inserting barium and strontium up into the atmosphere. Um, if you talk to any person who has followed what's been going on with chemtrails, you will always hear three heavy metals bandied about as things that have been proven through lab testing, collection, other methods of showing what these planes are spraying. Those three things are barium, strontium, and some form of aluminum. Of course, the argument is always made that the amount of aluminum that's being put into our environment plays directly into things like Alzheimer's and other things. I don't know how to address that. I don't know how you would ever address that. But let's be clear here. You start putting heavy metals like barium, strontium, and forms of aluminum into the environment, I think we can probably all agree these are not healthy things to do to an environment. This is so far from a natural idea of alchemy where if I want to do a procedure – I have to use the four elements that make up this world. I have to do it according to time of year, and I have to make things that will basically transmute from one element into the next. What's going on here is a corruption to the point where when I was recently reading some of the oldest uh, alchemical texts I've been able to get my hands on so far, um, para, Paracelsus, I think is the name of the author. Uh, just so people know, I believe that name means equal to or greater than someone named Celsus. So his work was based on someone even further back named Celsus, I believe. But the, the point here is that in the old alchemical text, it is put forward that the old Greek idea of Satan is basically science. 
It is basically where they broke away from alchemy, which was a naturally based system in a natural world, and they broke away and created science, which they viewed as the idea of Satan because it was a corruption. It was a corruption against the, the, for lack of better words, the light of God that made this perfect natural system. From our point of view, the natural world is a perfect system. Men do not make perfect systems. This is how the idea of the light or the creation of God comes into things for some people. Others will put a more religious um, idea behind it, which is fine. Point is, from our point of view, that's a perfect system. When science, which is exactly what Jason and I are addressing here, corruption was introduced into the system. Previously, when an alchemical procedure was done, nothing was ever lost from the system. One element transmuted into another, into another, into another. No noxious, gnarly, bad things were ever created. And then came along chemistry and science, the things that we're addressing here, where bad things are done all the time. The side effects are endless. Even a car engine, every time you start it, is spewing corruption out the tailpipe. The exact opposite of the ideas of alchemy. So I wanted to put that in here because from my point of view, the kind of Luciferian elite mindset of the people who must be behind this kind of thing or whole hog with science. And when you begin to view scientism and science in a new light where it has no concern a lot of the time for a natural environment or this perfect system, which we would have called our natural environment, which creates the weather, which must have been a perfect system at some point, that's all now corrupted. And it's corrupted because of science. But let's keep pushing, Jason, see if we can demonstrate it. Next, we're going to touch on Operation Popeye, a highly classified weather modification program that was run during the Vietnam conflict from 1967 until 1972. Cloud seeding was once again used in an attempt to extend the region's monsoon season over the Ho Chi Minh Trail. This infamous route was used at the time to provide support in the form of manpower and material to the Viet Cong and the North Vietnamese Army. The stated reason that anyone in the public ever actually found out about this operation was due to a journalist named Jack Anderson, who saw a secret memo in 1967 that was on Lyndon B. Johnson's desk. The memo was from the Joint Chiefs of Staff to President Johnson and read thus, Laos operations continue as at present, plus Popeye, to reduce the trafficability along the infiltration routes and authorization requested to implement operational phase of weather modification process previously successful, tested, and evaluated in some areas. This is interesting as hell to me, Jason, for the following reason. Almost everywhere I read from UN laws to major country laws about weather modification stated implicitly that it could not be used in wartime. What do we know about the Vietnamese not war? They never declared war. I wonder if that plays into it. I truly wonder if that plays into it because it is described in history as a conflict because war was never declared. So I wonder if these weather operations were leveraging off the idea that this was not a war legally. Um, you can see where I'm going here. But even at some of the large country laws and certainly at the overarching UN and all that, almost everything is tied to the idea of using uh, weather as a weapon during wartime. So what do you think, man? Well, I intentionally while writing my notes, did not write the words Vietnam War. And I've been very careful about that since we've been doing these shows to make sure I try to state things as factual as possible because Vietnam was not a war. There was never an official declaration of war. Neither was Korea. As a matter of fact, the United States, as far as officially on paper, has not been at war since World War II. Everything else has just been you know, what they call police actions or military actions or strikes or something like that. But there's been no official declaration of one country going to war with another country uh, wow. as far as the United States is concerned. Yeah, so, World War so, II. Well, we'd have to consider weather modification then, wouldn't we? You know, is that playing into this? Because they're so, they're so kind of persnickety with, you know, their corporate laws and the laws of the world and not disobeying these things. You've got to wonder – if not declaring war is playing into their ability to, to modify the weather. I mean, in the case of Vietnam, 
Let's consider something like Agent Orange. Of course, the encoded overtone here is that orange is the only um, numerological color that will break down to 33 in standard numerology procedures. And a lot of people make a lot of hay out of that. And I think for good reason. Um, You can see things like The Fifth Element, the movie where a lot of people have orange hair and orange clothes on. There's a reason for these things. But my point here would be, is if we look at Agent Orange, this is the absolute idea of science as a corruption. Um, whether or not it happened, we're told they dumped this defoliant all over the jungles of Vietnam. If you turn on your television today, the jungles of Vietnam would be telling you, oh, there's this endangered deer, um, only place it lives, this kind of thing, all these you know, UNESCO heritage sites that need protecting. And yet we are told during the Vietnam conflict, not war, uh, that they were doing things like dumping Agent Orange which in a way is a bit like weather modification. It's using chemicals uh, to modify the environment if, in fact, it happened. Anyhow, back to you, man. And and that's exactly it. I think that they can get around a lot of these things because they're not doing any official declarations. So on paper, they could say we're not at war. Also, let's not forget the fact that most of these storms get generated out in the middle of the ocean somewhere where I'm assuming it is... International water, international waters. Yeah, so it's it's not uh, it's not on anyone's borders or, or behind anyone's borders, I should say. So there you have it. You know, they they can play games just with with the fact of what isn't isn't on paper. I think you hit on something crucial here, man. I was not aware um, that a declaration of war had not been uh, implemented for that long. And if that is in fact true, Jason, my guess is, um, you know, I'm getting ready to start stating openly that weather is no longer forecast. It's scheduled. Uh, That is my point of view. Having done the research, you know, I I remember back to all the chemtrail filming I did that was so localized to San Diego in a drought, a place where hurricanes never come. When I've blown it open and reevaluated some of the things I looked at before, but to what I know now, um, you've got to wonder, will we ever see war declared again? Because it could be that the, the totality of weather in this world is basically under the aegises of what's being done in one part of the world or another. And we can demonstrate outright um, even s- things as simple as a rocket launch, a big rocket launch from NASA. Um, there's footage on YouTube. Anyone can look it up where there's a man standing there saying, watch, NASA's going to play God. This big rocket's going to go up. It does. And about 30 seconds later, a downpour occurs because of the rocket launch. Um, it's interesting, Jason. We'll, ha- we'll have to look into this idea and we'll have to keep our eye to see if we ever see war declared again, because if we don't, in my estimation, uh, I would have to begin to try to to tie weather modification and the laws around weather modification to these ideas. Right. And uh, as I told you off the air, the lady who was doing the uh, the bus tour when I went to the Stennis NASA Center the other day. Yep. Blatantly said when they test the rocket engines, it can frequently rain afterwards for up to 10 minutes. And that's an unintentional consequence of just launching a rocket off just to uh test the engine, make sure it's working the way it's supposed to. So there you go. It's just water vapor manipulating the the, the area around it. That's right. Second of all, when we're talking about war, think about how often that term is used when it's not actually being used in its proper way. Right. How long have they been saying we have a war on terror? Well, that's great. I'm glad you have a war on terror. Terror is not a country you can declare war on. It is a just a boogeyman state of mind that, that that they're just saying it's a, it's a war with no borders with with no targets no locations it's just a general statement saying we're going after it well that's great that's that's got nothing to do with any sort of legalities whatsoever Damn good point. Damn, damn good point. Um, and I would further point out, since you just went to Stennis, I had at least five people contact me um, between the time we're recording now and the last show we did on weather, uh, claiming that Stennis, the, the what is it, a space center, I guess, Stennis Space Center there in Houston, uh, their claim they were making, and I tried to confirm this, I just couldn't find anything that was bulletproof. They claimed that they were doing atmospheric testing, putting water vapor into the air um, as part of its preparation for their voyage to Mars that that is all nonsense that will never happen ever in anyone's lifetime uh, as Harvey was making landfall. Did you hear any of this or did you see anything more concrete um, than I was able to dig up? 
Well, I did ask some questions to the to the bus tour driver after we got done driving around because everything's still classified. Like there was security gates set up and all that, but you'd basically do a little tour if you want to go on it around everything. And I saw three giant platforms where they do put the giant rocket engines to test, and that's when she brought up the, the point on the weather. But I asked... Out of sheer curiosity, there's another NASA facility in New Orleans called Michoud, and that's where they're supposed to be designing, uh, I believe, the, the SLS systems as well as the command module for the Orion mission, which is to be used for deep space as well as they're saying they're sending it to Mars. So I was like, hey, can you go to that one? I would like to see a tour of that one. She said, no, that's the only people who get in there are VIPs and things like that. Like You can't just do a normal tour. So... That kind of filled my hopes on that one. I really wanted to get in and see what's going on in there. So, so they only allow very indoctrinated people? <laughs> I suppose. Now, I, I did do a, a look on Facebook just for the heck of it, and I did find just normal people in the New Orleans area who work there, uh, as I would expect. So I don't know if I could strike up a friendship with someone just to, to talk about and see if there's anything fishy going on. But, you know, that's probably not very likely. But I'm trying to do... In, old school investigative journalist work if possible just to see if i can get any information that's not something on the internet you know you're totally the man you're totally the man you went to stennis uh, right before we did this weather mod episode so i mean hats off to you anyhow you ready to head towards 1974 yeah, some secret meetings, governmental meetings or congressional hearings, I'm not sure exactly what they're considering them, were held in 1974 regarding weather modification. And of course, lie after lie after lie were told in these meetings saying that they weren't doing it. Well, the whole Operation Popeye thing alone shows that they were doing it. And there were three of these meetings held. The first two are now public and you can look them up just as I did. But the third is still classified. So goodness only knows what was going on there, but that was probably where everything was admitted, and they don't uh, want that available to the public. Well, they don't want you to get your hands on the text that start to say near September 11 or on September 11. You know, the modern eye would not be fooled by these things. Um, September, let me count the ways, man. You know, I was saying before Harvey even made landfall uh, that we needed to keep our eyes on what was going on as we came into September 11. We needed to keep our eyes on, you know, the obvious things that were being done, the not so obvious things were being done. Um, you know, one of the people we had on our last episode as an eyewitness was telling me they were moving military assets into Houston. And then he later contacted me and said he believed the laws had been changed um, to allow police to use military assets. Now, I mean, it's loophole after loophole. If you remember back to Waco, Texas, another staged historical event in the history of America, um, the whole thing came up was you're not allowed to use military assets within the border of the United States. It's the whole idea of Caesar crossing the Rubicon. While I don't accept ancient history or even the history of Rome we've been handed, there's an idea in the history of Rome we've been handed that they never learned their lesson. It, like at least three times their own standing armies tipped over Rome and took it over. Um, that's the idea behind crossing the Rubicon. So fast forward to Waco or Waco or the staged event we call Waco in the United States and all these military assets were coming in and it became a thing. Well here um, we go a little further down the road to Harvey and we're having eyewitness accounts of Abrams tanks being moved into place. And I haven't been able to confirm this yet, but usually this individual is pretty spot on. So I'll take it at face value for now um, until I can look with my own eyes that police, um, the laws are being shifted somehow so that police can use these military assets. The whole point of this is you can see how important the legality of things is, where I guess the idea would be no one can ever haul them into court because they haven't broken the letter of the law or something like that. I mean, um, are you aware of any of this? Well, I just certainly heard about military going into these areas, and obviously everyone knows that they put the reserves on standby during times of emergencies. So, yeah, right. we, we know the military gets involved, and just from the eyewitnesses that we heard about, they had them. And we know, as far as Houston is concerned, but we know that during Katrina there were tons of military, and I, I've always thought they were using it as a test bed to see how would the military respond on American soil going against American citizens. You've got to wonder because I don't, you know, I should have looked it up before we got into this episode to see what the rules of engagement are for using actual military within the borders. Of course, when there's uh, a declared 
emergency, an act declared for emergency, uh, the National Guard and other things have always been able to be brought to bear. Um, as a matter of fact, when I was in the Marine Corps, there were certain situations, fires and the earthquake in San Francisco, I think, where Marines were used to go out and help clean up and, and do rescues and other things. But clearly these were uh, emergencies. So um, that that's something for us to look at, Jason, because I think clearly we're seeing the fudging of the lines of how the military can be implemented without breaking the letter of the law here. And, and if I had to guess, um, this is exactly part of what's going on uh, in Houston. What's that whole posse comma Thomas thing where they're not supposed to be using military on the streets of the United States at all. But of course, well, it's an emergency. We could do whatever we want is pretty much what it comes down to. Right. It's fear porn. Of course, if you can, you know, it's, it's no different than 9-11. If you can scare the bejesus out of enough people, you can do nearly anything to include them to bend over and take a colonoscopy just to get on a damn airplane, which is where we're at now, which was built on the back of fear, which was based on a made up event. Um, so you can see what's going on here, but you and I got a lot of work to do. We can demonstrate without argument that weather modification has been going on since forever, basically. Um, can we demonstrate, Jason, in the course of what we're doing, that it is more than likely almost a certitude uh, that these storms were modified, pumped up, or flat out created in some way? As far as I can tell from what we've been looking into, they can be created. That doesn't necessarily mean that storms don't form on their own, but they can be created if desired. And there's no doubt that they can be modified in some way, shape, or form. And with all likelihood, they could probably be just obliterated while they're still at sea. But as I stated earlier, it seems like they just don't. Right. And I think that is a key, key point. It's it's the same thing as the drought in California. I keep going back to we've been able to make it rain since, you know, the early 1900s, at least. Um, why didn't anyone come and help those poor farmers who are growing all the food for the entire country and parts of the world in the Central Valley of California? By deduction, that tells us certain things about the drought. And I think the point you just made tells us certain things about the weather. If you, in fact, had the technology to reduce the power and fury of a storm, which I would be willing to bet my last dollar they do, um, why wasn't it brought to bear here? And if it wasn't brought to bear, what does that tell you about the storm itself? And that's where I'm at, man. Just to keep going a little further, you know, there are people like Patrick Roddy, who we've had on the show, who's friends with uh, Matt Landman, uh, who has been going over the imagery from these storms and trying to demonstrate that he can actually see in the imagery we're being given, the video feeds, that the storms are being pumped up with water vapor, Nextrad, these kinds of things. Anyhow. Well, that's what we saw with the Harvey thing, too, that it looks like it was refueled three times with this technology or one variation of the technology, because I think there's a couple different kinds. Right. One thing that always gets me is here on the East Coast, um, you know, they never get the weather right. They can see the weather coming all the way from the West in a lot of cases, and they'll tell you it's going to rain or something, and it doesn't happen. They get it wrong all the time. If you go back and look at what we were being told before Harvey made landfall, it was freaking spot on, man. It's like someone had a crystal ball. It's going to go in. It's going to stall out. It's going to dump all this rain. I mean, they basically told you verbatim what was about to happen uh, along with all the fear porn that accompanied it. But anyhow, let's get back on the road here. So two laws exist on the books as of the 70s regarding weather modification. And the first is the Weather Modification Reporting Act of 1972. And the second is the National Weather Modification Policy Act of 1976. So these two things alone can tell you that as of the 1970s, the internal government is well aware that weather modification is going on and they have to have laws enacted to deal with them. So there you have it. Yeah, I, I mean, when you get down to these things, and again, I'll say the, the names of these things, uh, the Modification Reporting Act of 1972 and the modification or the National Weather Modification Policy Act of 1976, folks, go out and look at these things. Use your human eyes to deduce what you can deduce. Uh, weather modification is a real thing. It's been going on for a hell of a long time. And things like this are coming to be way back in the 70s. In the 70s, we didn't even have computers much less the level of science that can be brought to bear now. But anyhow, we're coming close to the top of the hour here, Jason, and I got an intro to tack on. Uh, what's your feeling? Should we go long on the first hour? Um, should we cut as we normally would and have a very long second half? What do you want to do here? 
Well, there's a good bit to get through on weather modification yet, so what I'd like to tie up for hour one is this last point, and it's something called NMOD, the Environmental Modification Convention, formerly called the Convention on the Prohibition of Military or Any Other Hostile Use of Environmental Modification Techniques. And it's an international treaty prohibiting the military or other hostile use of environmental modification techniques having widespread long-lasting, or severe effects. It opened for signature on May 18, 1977, and entered into force on October 5, 1978. It bans weather warfare of all kinds. A later treaty called the Convention on Biological Diversity would also bring this notion into play. The three main goals are the conservation of biological diversity, the sustainable use of its components, and the fair and equitable sharing of benefits arising from genetic resources. It went into force on December 29, 1993. This all revolves around what is known as sustainable development. So, to sum all this up, at this point, it's obvious that the technology to manipulate the weather exists, and no doubt countries all over the world are certainly doing so in some way. And good sources of water, which has become known as blue gold, has become a major commodity and that they're going to use these techniques to, to do what it is they need to do to get what they want. I, I think that's a good way to kind of sum up everything we've seen so far. And we're only into the 70s, really. And look what they've already been able to achieve. I mean, this, it's 2017, folks. It's crazy, man. You just said this thing went into force on December 29. There's 9-11 encoded again. But I would ask a simple question here, Jason, on the tale of these NMOD comments, which is a big damn deal. People go look this stuff up. Look at it. Um you have all these laws that I saw from the UN, all the major co countries, um, talking about weather warfare being illegal, the manipulation and creation of severe weather to be used as a weapon. I would ask this simple question. Why in the hell do these laws not simply state you can't do these things to harm people, animals, or environments, right? Why wouldn't you do that? You know damn well when lawyers sit down at a table to write laws of this nature that it is so finitely detailed and referencing other documents and all these other things that on the face of it to point out that it's against the law to use it for military is wholly telling to me um, because it leaves open the use of these things in a non-wartime environment. Um, I mean, am I wrong? What do you think about that? Why don't they just say you can't modify the weather to harm people? Well, they kind of do, but from what I saw in the research, the NMOD situation just has no teeth at all. It, it just doesn't get enforced. So they're saying you can't do it, but they're not doing anything about it because it all comes down to the fact, we'll go ahead and prove it. I mean, if all these programs are top secret, uh, you know, you got to have somebody kind of like the, the Popeye thing where it got noticed accidentally to even bring it to light in the first place. So I strongly suspect that they're so good at keeping these things clamped down at this point. Someone's got to be around to be able to squawk about it to who knows what it is in the first place, you know? I would agree with you, but the, the only problem I can see is that most of this stuff seems to be so ironclad, bulletproof, and careful um, to simply ignore laws that you're going to violate leaves the door open for a possible route of attack from some outsider. I mean, that's just my point of view. But anyhow, we are to the top of the hour, Jason. We have so much to get through. Um, do you want to do a quick rundown to let people know just the staggering amount of information we're going to cover in the second hour? or two? Yeah, we're going to go through the information quickly on uh, a man named Jim Lee, who has a website called climateviewer.com that I thought was very interesting. We're going to go over what HARP is, and we're going to discuss chemtrails, of course, and next rad, like we got into last week, as far as the weather weapons. Next, after that, we're going to get into the Red Cross and everything that seems to have gone on with some major chicanery with them, and also dig into FEMA a bit, because they're all, all always involved with uh, any kind of disaster. So, yeah, huge action-packed second hour, folks. So before we cut off, I mean, let's just address the Red Cross for a second to let people, because, you know, this that, there's so much here, and I want so much of it more to be in the first hour. That's why I opened with these fraudulent damn 
celebrities, these entertainers, these Hollywood people fleecing America for money. In my view, that's what's going on anyhow. Um, let's talk about the Red Cross for a minute. You know, as we were getting ready to ramp to this episode, I looked at so many people saying the Red Cross was basically owned by the Rothschild family. Um, let's do a spoiler here. Where are you at, man? Is there any legitimacy to the Red Cross? Should people be giving money to the Red Cross? Okay, this is what I found on the Red Cross to give it very simple, and we'll break all this down in detail in the second hour. The International Red Cross has direct Rothschild ties. The American Red Cross has direct Rockefeller ties. And while there are, I have no doubt, there are tons of people, especially volunteers, who want to just do things to help people during times of crisis. Right. What it all comes down to is the money, or at least a very large amount of the money that's donated does not go where you think it goes, and a lot of it is just used for some sort of profit-making scheme. Harsh comment, but, you know, it is what it is. Hey, hey, it is what it is. It it damn well is what it is. And anyone who wants to look up what happened in Haiti, um, where it's claimed, what, half a billion dollars or something they collected, they built five or six um uh, concrete foundation houses on the tail of all that. They got caught. They got caught on the tail of Katrina. There was a CEO fired. La last time I heard the CEO was fired, and it wasn't that long ago, less than 10 years, I think. I'm not sure. Maybe a little more than 10 years. They were making close to 200 grand a year, I think, if I remember correctly. Um, I saw the listed CEOs uh, thing in, in the research for this episode at half a billion dollars, $500,000. But here, I'll make the flat-out statement. The Red Cross, I don't think you could come up with a charity with the worst record that you can look up. Jason and I are going to try to draw the lines, lines to Rothschild, um, the, uh, the Rockefellers and other places to show the American people. Right after Harvey started up on every channel of Sirius Satellite Radio, the Red Cross began to shill for people to give money. All across television, they began to shill for people to give the Red Cross money. They teamed up with Walmart in some of these television advertisements to say Walmart will match every dollar you give to the Red Cross, Walmart, that creepy ass place, will give $2. And then the fine print said, but Walmart might not give any money at all. It might just give goods or services. Later there was an ad said, thanks, we collected 25 million. Who knows if that number's even accurate? And in the fine print it says, guess what? Walmart gave goods and services. What we're telling you here is these charities are not what you think they are. We got to wrap up the first hour here. Anything you want to add, Jason? Folks, to round this all off, the notion that weather manipulation is a, just a crazy conspiracy theory, that statement is just poppycock. It's absolutely right. a real thing. It's been going on for decades. And Damn right. Yeah, it's. It, I, I don't really need to go any further. I mean, and, and let me point out the fact that I skipped a lot of stuff just so I could fit it into this two-hour program. There's so much more I could have done, and I was just like, no, I'm going to just pick out some of the more salient points. But when I was looking at it, there's there's more. There's plenty more. So go look for yourselves. Yeah. You know what? Stevie Wonder, anyone who doesn't understand whether manipulation is real is either blind or not that intelligent. Anyhow, that brings us to the top of the first hour of episode 73, Crow 777 Radio. The second, maybe even third hour, because uh, this is definitely going to go long, we're going to rip apart the Red Cross. We're going to further rip apart weather because we're beginning to understand in a more meaningful way what is actually going on in our world. And, uh, of course, Jason and I have best wishes for all the people of Houston. We know damn well some bad things happen there. We've talked to people on the ground. As far as Florida, I've heard from five people who say where they were was nowhere near as bad as the fear porn being pushed, but we need from to hear from more people people. So there it is, man. Uh, I hope you join us for the second hour over at crow 7 radiocom Cheers. 